It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, we've got a lead story focusing on getting into a little bit more detail on the new starters that Zach Taylor announced yesterday along the offensive line and at wide receiver. Then Joe goes into a longer, in-depth look, really getting into it, talking about how this wouldn't have happened with Marvin Lewis, and he has a solo segment there in the second segment. And we're going to wrap up with catching up on the audio from my visit to Paul Brown Stadium from a few weeks ago now. And I've got some audio from Andy Dalton that we haven't played yet, some audio from Jermaine Pratt, and we'll see what else we get to in that last segment. Now your Locked On Bengals lead story, I'm Jake Lisko along with Joe Goodberry. Today, our lead story is still around the three players named starters on the offensive side of the ball, all of them surprises, starting from the inside and going out. The first starter we're going to talk about is Trey Hopkins. What did he do to beat out Billy Price for the starting job for the Cincinnati Bengals? I think first and foremost, and this is something we haven't been able to say about Trey Hopkins throughout his whole career, is that Hopkins was healthy and Billy Price was not. So that's the first step. He gets the reps. He gets to show he can handle it. I think as you look at the scheme and you say it's going to be a wide zone, mid zone running scheme, you need athletic linemen, right? You want guys that can hit that reach block, get to those shaded nose tackles, or even out to those three techs. And in that case, you want the more athletic center. When they drafted Billy Price last year and they wanted to run a wide zone scheme, I thought it was an odd fit and he might be a better guard. And when Trey Hopkins played last year, I thought you could see the difference in the two of them at center. Now you go into 2019, Hopkins beats out Billy Price. I think this is more about what can you do rather than what you have done. This also could be an issue of, like you said, Billy Price was hurt. He was late to get into the training camp program. When we talked with him in Cincinnati, he said that he had some things to work on. In his interview at Bengals.com, his comments at a high level indicated, now that I have clarity on what's happening with the starting lineup, I can focus on the things I need to do to get better. 
This isn't the end for Billy Price. This doesn't make Billy Price a bust. This just means Billy Price is not starting to start the year, but as soon as any interior offensive lineman goes down, he'll be ready to step in. They've been moving Trey Hopkins between left guard and center until last week when he only got six snaps at left guard with one of the combinations that they deployed, 29 snaps at center versus 33 snaps at left guard against Washington and 16 at center. So it seems like they had a real plan for Trey Hopkins, which is you are going to go win the center job. And if not, you're going to be that interior backup. Right. And that's what we expected because of the versatility of Trey Hopkins. Hopkins has played a good chunk of his career at left and right guard. And then last year he played at center while Billy Price wasn't able to go. I would say that that versatility lent us to believe that it would be Hopkins to be the backup and the first guy off the bench. Instead, they swapped it, and the coaches have said that it was Trey Hopkins that beat him. And I do think Billy Price's response to this situation is key because he has said that you know he's not going to get down into a dark place. He's going to work on what he needs to work on, and he's going to help this team when that opportunity arises. And then I expect it'll happen, if not early, at some point in the season. He'll be playing a bunch for the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, his best graded game was his most recent preseason game when he got an even split of snaps between left guard, center, and right guard. That was his best graded game all preseason. Neither player gave up any pressures according to Pro Football Focus, although you could see Billy Price get pushed into passion lanes a couple of times. That's what we're going to go with at the starter for center. Now, left guard, I think, is maybe equally surprising, at least if you would have asked us, is Michael Jordan going to start in May? We would have said, no way. There's Clint Bowling. There's this plan to use Cordy Glenn. There's a rookie that we think needs polish. There's Trey Hopkins. There are all these other guys that we thought would get a look at left guard before Michael Jordan. And for the first two games of the preseason, John Jerry even played pretty well. But Michael Jordan has been the Bengals' best run blocker in the preseason, according to Pro Football Focus. And in a preseason when they've really struggled to run block, I imagine that made a big impression. Yeah, I would say so. I think at guard, when you bring in John Miller and then you are starting Michael Jordan and he's been a good run blocker through preseason, he's a big body, strong, young guy that can actually move a little bit. So I think there is a little advantage there over John Jerry because the the youth for Jordan provides them some flexibility in terms of moving and, and pulling that guard in space. I think Michael Jordan won this job despite everything against him. I mean, like like you said, uh, Clint Bowling had to retire. Cordy Glenn had to move back to left tackle because Jonah Williams got hurt. And then they brought in John Jerry. So they put a lot of hurdles in his way, and a lot of fate came and in, in, in lent its hand to Michael Jordan getting the opportunity to start at left guard. And I don't think this happens. I don't think either move happens between Trey Hopkins and Michael Jordan if this is a Marvin Lewis-led team because the reliance on young players, mid-round picks as rookies, doesn't happen around the league too often. This is a bold move by not only Zach Taylor, but Jim Turner, the offensive line coach. I will say as a rookie, I think Michael Jordan probably has the shortest leash of any of Bengals offensive linemen, especially because Jim Turner has familiarity with John Jerry. The last player to talk about in terms of why they won the job is Damian Willis. I think this one's the most obvious out of the bunch because wide receiver is so visible. I think he was clearly the Bengals' best wide receiver in the preseason, and I think the Bengals are counting that touchdown that was called pass interference in his favor. And I think you should count that because it was a bad call. And then you get the other splash play over Janoris Jenkins this past week, and then the touchdown fade. He's made the big plays, but he's also caught a bunch of routine balls that I think keep the chains moving and provide confidence not only with the coaching staff, but Andy Dalton. He's been great in practice as well, reportedly. This has been your Cincinnati Bengals lead story from Jake Lisko and Joe Goodberry of Locked on Bengals. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Goodberry, for this segment. I want to get back into the big news of the three new starters and I honestly believe this stuff doesn't happen. And I, I mean these three guys in particular. And I guess it's four because the one guy being benched, Billy Price, being a first round pick last year. I don't think this happens if Marvin Lewis is still running this team. And I think there's enough history to suggest that this wouldn't happen at all. I, I believe they've been trotting out their most highest paid and maybe most resources invested, time invested players for a long time and even to a detriment to the team and overall success. I I just don't think this Marvin Lewis team would have done what Zach Taylor did. They get a lot of credit. The New Day, Mantra, whatever you want to call it. A lot of people have been skeptical. And I, I wouldn't say these moves or announcements are, in fact, going to mean they're going to be successful But they're going to be different, and I think that's one thing on our checklist of wants and needs from Zach Taylor, from Marvin Lewis, is that they would try things different. They'd be a little bit more bold. They would throw a guy in there that maybe has flashed, but maybe hasn't earned the trust or put the skins on the wall that someone else does. I mean, look, just go back to last year. I think it's very clear Trey Hopkins outplayed Billy Price at center, and it was probably apparent right away, and they still stuck with Billy Price, and that's fine because he's a rookie, right? But you look around the league and you look at history, and centers, number one centers, drafted centers, a lot of time, almost 50-50, will split and start at guard instead of center that first year because it's a grueling position. It's a tough position, very demanding. And instead, the Bengals said, you know, we're not interested in that. Price is a center, and we're going to play him at center. And instead, the result was they ended up you know, if you want to use like PFF grades for an example here, they ended up making Billy Price their worst offensive lineman on the team last year. And that didn't have to be the case. This is a guy who I want to say started three years at Ohio State at guard and one year at center. His skill set, his body type, you look at him, Billy Price is a guard, in my opinion. And then they went to a wide zone scheme last year running, and you're putting a guy that isn't prototypical for that scheme at center again. So I I thought it was very curious that they did that, the Marvin Lewis team did that. And then when Price got hurt, Hopkins came in, he played well. I think everyone agreed that you could watch it. And I don't care if you're a big Billy Price fan or not. You say, well, Hopkins, you know, for his first time playing center, because he's been a tackle and a guard throughout his career, he was really good. 
and he wasn't an all-pro or a Pro Bowl type guy, so it's not when, when Billy Price came back, they didn't bench someone that was a superstar. But it made you see that, man, you've got an issue at right guard and you're not filling it with Billy Price, who was a natural right guard at Ohio State, and instead you're sandwiching him back into center and you're benching Trey Hopkins. It didn't make a lot of sense then. So I, here we are jumping forward a year later, and Trey Hopkins beats him out one-on-one. A fair competition? How many times have we even thought a competition was real or fair when Marvin Lewis was leading this team? You hear players talk about it. And competition, real competition, makes the entire team better. When it's just for show or you know that the guy making the more money or the guy that was drafted higher is going to get the more playing time or going to get the start, don't you think that kills your competitive drive? How hard are you really going to fight for it if no matter how good you are, you're going to be benched for the guy who makes more money? So I think this sends a message to the entire team uh, just at that center position. I think that that right there is a whole conversation. Just the way they, you can go even further, right? I could take this, I, I think, another 10 minutes. We might talk about this again because here's another offensive lineman drafted in the first round or high because I want to add Jake Fisher into the list that just has not panned out. Here's another guy they hand a starting position. After right after Russell Bodine, a fourth-round pick, right? They hand him the starting position for four years unchecked. And Billy Price gets handed the starting position as a rookie unchecked. As soon as he was healthy again, they give it back to him. First time checked. First time with a challenge. And he's beaten. Russell Bodine in Buffalo, first time with a challenge, was beaten. So their propensity to stick with the guy, the veteran, the guy they know, you got to think it sapped some of the high-end ability of this team in the, in the past. So I want to move on now, left guard. Michael Jordan, a fourth-round pick. It's rare to get a fourth-round pick to come in and start, especially on the offensive line. Normally that means bad things have happened, and I would say they have, and I don't want to put a negative light on it because it's great for Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan might be really good. I remember watching him and thinking, here's a big guy that's athletic and strong. He's got some refinement and some general experience because once they move from guard to center you can see same thing happened to billy price at ohio state you could see it like it kicked them back a little bit in their development now i understand why ohio state wants to do that it's probably easier for them to play guard you put a more senior guy at, at center even though um jordan was a junior it came out early you get that experienced guy in there and you can help call your plays and, and your protections and you know be this be the center of your line instead of just sticking them at left guard so i get it but it definitely took a toll on his evaluation and, and his prospects, and that's why he goes in the fourth round. Because I thought on tape, upside-wise, he's probably probably a day-two guy, maybe a second-round pick. So Bengals traded up for him, and he won the job. He beat a veteran, and he beat kind of, sort of, I guess, Trey Hopkins and Billy Price because either of those guys could have started at, at left guard, right? So good on Michael Jordan. I want to look up the history of, like, not – top two-round offensive linemen and interior offensive linemen because I did this for tackles when Jonah Williams was drafted, and it wasn't very good for those guys. If you're going to end up starting like a fourth-round offensive tackle, he's going to get beat. It's going to—it's not going to be good. It, it, it typically isn't. A fourth-round guard, third-round, fifth-round, I'm going to have to check that because I don't feel very confident. I'm excited. I'm hopeful. This is great. You're starting a young guy that could... I mean, you could mold. If it's next year, next five years, it could be Jonah Williams, and it could be uh, Billy Price at center. It could be Michael Jordan at left guard. Man, you might have your left side wrapped up in terms of youth for the next half a generation, and for the next five years at least. That would be awesome. That'd be huge. 
we'd look back at that draft pick like, man, what a pick. What a fourth round if Ryan Finley continues also. So that's a good thing. So I don't want to be negative about it. But I think we should our expectation should be that Michael Jordan may struggle at left guard. So we should, you know, let's hope for the best. But understand that I, I agree with what Jake said earlier, that there may be a short leash on him. And we could see Billy Price there. I think we could see John Jerry there really quickly. But that doesn't mean it's done for him. Because remember Clint Bowling's rookie year? Fourth-round pick, right? He wasn't supposed to play. And I want to say there was a, a suspension, and then Bobby Williams got hurt for the year. And Clint Bowling had to play right guard. And I, I remember saying in the scouting report, he's a left guard to me in terms of playing guard because usually, typically, right guard's your more power guy that holds the point of attack or creates the point of attack for in the running game. We know Clint Bowling now that his career's done. He was never that guy. But he played poorly. He was he was bad as a rookie at right guard. And next year, they're like, okay, he's our starting left guard. And I remember feeling like, okay, year two for your offensive lineman, I feel much better about this position now and at a more natural position for Bowling. I think we could see that with Jordan. It doesn't mean Jordan's done in a bust. It shouldn't mean that. It shouldn't mean that for Billy Price now either. But I, I do think, you know, if someone has bumps – they could be replaced really quickly. And maybe we see Billy Price in that spot, which would be ideal anyways because he was a first-round pick. We should all want Billy Price to succeed regardless if we liked him before the draft or not. You guys know, those of you who followed me, listened to me, I was not a fan of that pick. So we should want him to succeed because of the capital they spent, the resources spent on him. So that's the offensive line. Moving on to to Damian Willis, receiver. I'm having a great time watching this film right now. I've got a breakdown. Everyone's writing about Damian Willis, right? If you consume any type of Bengals media or content, people are writing about his background. Some guys have already done film things. Well, I've got a film thing coming out. It should be Tuesday or Wednesday. Jay Morrison did a really good background on who Damian Willis is on The Athletic, hanging out with his mom, talking to his mom. Really good. I thought it was fantastic. But I'm going to do film. I got clips from college. Man, his two bowl games, 2017-2018, I think it's like 24 catches, 240 yards, and four touchdowns in those two bowl games. You think this moment's big for him? Man, he performed his best in bowl games. I like that a lot. And watching this film, breaking that down, I got a lot of clips. I got about 15 minutes of video for you guys to watch and, and consume, and I, I know a lot of you guys like it. So uh, it's going to be a fun one. And Damian Willis is fun because of his skill set and ability, and that's something I don't think happens under Marvin Lewis. I remember back a few years ago. You remember back when they trotted out Armand Bins and Brandon Tate as the starting receivers next to A.J. Green. This is is as they drafted. So as rookies, Mohamed Sanu and Marvin Jones. And they felt those guys weren't ready. The rookies weren't ready. So we're going to trot out Bins and Tate. And it wasn't good. Remember how (laughs) we're four weeks in and we're saying, yeah, this is a great story, but Bins can't get it done. Bins, he just doesn't, he can't separate. He can't get open. He can make some of these tough catches. And that kind of sounds like Damian Willis. I hope Willis is better than Armand Bins, obviously. But Bins, for an undrafted guy, that's a fine career. I think he had 20-something catches that year. Uh, Willis is going to start in place of A.J. Green. It looks like John Ross, who's practicing, will also start Tyler Boyd being the other starter. So maybe Willis doesn't get the longevity. Maybe he can still beat out John Ross later. But when A.J. Green's healthy, I think that's, we know who the trio is. So maybe that'll cap uh, Willis. Maybe Willis just needs to get them through three or four games the way Armand Benz did that year. But Marvin Lewis not trusting his, his third and fifth round rookies to play and play that much. And as soon as they did, we, we could easily see all of us saw, oh, these guys are much better than what you were trotting out there. 
It's like they went with the safe position there. They went with the safe guys. They know Armand Bins was on the practice squad, and, and I think he was even active one game the previous year to that. But I think now, look at like Auden Tate last year. Auden Tate should have played, and should have played much more. You remember when like Auden Tate caught that one pass against the Ravens? It's a third and eight, third and nine. He ran it one yard short and was stopped. And then later in the game, uh, the Bengals need a fourth down conversion. Auden Tate's out there. The Bengals call timeout, take Auden Tate out, put Cody Core in, and Cody Core gets completely blanketed, and the pass falls incomplete. That was the distrust in a young un- seventh round, not undrafted, but a, a very low priority draft pick or prospect rookie, I should say. And they didn't trust him. They didn't put that trust in him. So, yeah, I don't think Marvin Lewis starts Damian Willis. I think Zach Taylor, what he's doing, again, sends a message to a lot of receivers that have been drafted fairly high. I mean, there's two first-rounders and a second-rounder, John Ross especially, first-rounder, ninth overall, that, listen, your draft position doesn't mean you're going to start, doesn't mean you're automatically in there. Just because you make money, Alex Erickson, doesn't mean you're the next guy up. Even though you don't fit as an outside receiver, the man, Marvin Lewis would put him at outside receiver. They didn't care. He's the next guy. You're making the most money. And I don't know if that's the case, but you're the next guy. You're up there. Josh Malone, because of his draft status, you would. we all figured he'd be the next guy up. He's not. So here we are with an undrafted rookie receiver, and maybe they found something. Isn't that exciting, too? Isn't that part of it? Isn't that part of the big excitement? Because I think we all sh- understand you temper your excitement when an undrafted guy is starting as a rookie. Because, this, I mean, we could look back at this and say, yeah, they were a bad team. They were starting an undrafted rookie receiver. Look at that. Of course the passing game has sucked first month. We could say that. We might say that. But I think the other part is if everything was fair and balanced and everything was right, that means an undrafted guy beat out some decent players. And maybe he's really good. Maybe Damian Willis is good. What if they found a TJ Hushmanzada? Not, you know, Hush was a seventh-round pick. Maybe they found an Andrew Hawkins, undrafted guy. It happens once in a while where you get an undrafted player and you're like, we got to play him. He's got to play as a rookie. Ryan Hewitt a few years ago, fullback, H-back type guy, different position, Doesn't not going to get the targets, not going to get the stats Damon Willis may get. But point being is it happens once in a while, and typically those guys stick for a few years at the least. So excitement is there. I think that's very fun that the opportunity is that what if he's good? What if he's Marcus Colston? You know, what if he's Miles Austin? I'm thinking of undrafted and late-round guys that are just good. They're just good players, and the NFL misses because sometimes that happens. And if that's the case, now what do you do? Because we've had the conversation at wide receiver of A.J. Green going to his final year. What if John Ross takes another step after year two, taking a step from year one? Small step, but he did. And you just extended Tyler Boyd, so that's great. But what if Willis is good? Do you say, man, Green, you're really expendable at this point. Maybe you trade them at the trade deadline. We're getting ahead of ourselves. But point being is, this is fun. It's exciting times. And it's different. New day stuff. It's definitely different. And that'll do it for this segment of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I've been your host, Joe Goodbear. Just want to take a minute here to recognize our returning and appreciated sponsor, Abco Safety, a safety distributor located in Cincinnati. They're partnering with 3M to sponsor the podcast, and we still greatly appreciate their support. If you or your company purchase safety equipment, be sure to give them a call because they will promise to save you money on your safety budget. Joe, what are you looking at today on abcosafety.com? Well, I think every business, every home needs these, and I'm looking at fire extinguishers, fire prevention. They've even got the uh, mounts to put on the wall to hold your fire extinguisher. 
and everyone needs smoke detectors. So go to their website, find a few of these, and get them for your home or business. They establish corporate pricing for their customers, so give them a shot at quoting your safety equipment just to see how much money they can save you. Give them a call at 513-672-1818 and mention Lockdown Bengals to let them know that you heard about them from us. We really appreciate their support, and we hope you support them as a Cincinnati business. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. This is your host for the segment, Jake Lisko. I'm sure you all remember, I made a trip down to Paul Brown Stadium a few weeks ago. We had a chance to talk to some players We've played for you at this point the audio from my interview with Billy Price and some of the audio from my interview with Zach Taylor. The first player that we interviewed and one of the more exciting interviews was Andy Dalton. Anytime you get to walk into your favorite team's football stadium in your first journalistic-esque experience in your life and you get to say, who do you want to talk to? I would love to talk to Andy Dalton. And I thought Andy was an excellent interview. This was the same day that the story ran about him giving the disabled kid a tour of the stadium. He was very giving that day, is what I tweeted at the time. He gave us his time. He gave additional time to a disabled fan. It was a really good day, I think, for Andy Dalton, the human being. And he was a great interview, too. So I'm just going to go ahead and play the clip. Uh, You'll hear the questions I asked and his responses And I got to ask him a lot of things I've been wanting to hear him answer. And I think I got pretty good answers from him. So let's take a listen. you have any favorite pieces of the new offense that you're really excited for? Well, I I think the biggest thing is we can spread it around. It's it's not just focused on one guy. Um, So I think with the talent that we have, I think that, uh, that that's a good thing. You can't key on one guy. Obviously, uh, we're, we're missing AJ. You know, wish he, wish he was in there. And uh, teams really have to focus on him. But uh, I think with everything that we're doing, we can really spread it around. You have any particular strengths that you think translate really well to this new style of offense? This offense, you get the ball in your hands quick. You throw on the move and stuff that I feel like I do well. And so. Um, I feel like that stuff really fits with everything that we're doing. Last year, at the beginning of the year, it looked like you got a lot more comfortable working outside of the structure of the play. When things broke down, you had a few really nice throws to Boyd, that one throw to Mixon in Miami. What changed for you, or was that a change for you, or was it just that you had more opportunities to get into those spots? Yeah, I think it was more of an emphasis on it. 
And that's one thing we, we felt like in years past, we just in scramble drill situations. We we weren't, everybody went in tune with, okay, where you need to be, what spots you should need to work. Because, I mean, there is uh, there is some technique and, you know, art to the scramble drill. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think we, we worked on it some more last year than we, than we did before. And um, it, it showed with, with some of the plays that we were able to make. How do you work on that? Is that something that you guys have drills for and you practice, or is it something yeah, that we, you really we, need to yeah, get Yeah, you can for? definitely drill it, and we, we talk about it in meetings and stuff. Okay, if you're in certain spots, once the play breaks down, this is where you need to work, this is what you need to try to do. Is that extending plays and scrambling, has that been the biggest thing that you, that they've been harping on you to improve in this overall scheme, or what's like the biggest thing that they've been harping on you to like improve and enhance in your game? I think it's just, at this point, it's just mastering this offense and, and knowing exactly what, what we're doing. I feel like I'm there now. You know, you have had the offseason, had, um, you know, 90, 95 percent of the installs in now. So um, I think now it's just making sure everybody's comfortable with what we're doing. One of my favorite throws to watch you execute is throwing to Tyler Eifert when you can see the linebacker's nameplate. <laughs> What's your favorite throw to make? That's a good one. I mean, when... Uh, the number of balls you see him pick off somebody's back is just... Yeah, he's talented. You know, he's one of the things we feel like just with with guys like him and AJ and TB and, and all these guys we got, you just got to give them a chance and they'll make the play. You know, that's, that's one of them. When you can get down in the red zone and... They either throw a high ball to Tyler in the back of the end zone or uh, throw it deep to AJ. And I think that that last bit, throw it deep to AJ, we love the high ball to Eifert in the back of the end zone that nobody else can go attack the way Tyler Eifert can on the defensive side of the field trying to cover him. Obviously, Tyler Boyd has an immense catch radius. Andy Dalton is developing chemistry with Damian Willis, and that'll continue to happen for the next two weeks. At the time we were there, Damian Willis was kind of like, he was on the radar, but he wasn't somebody who, like after week two of the preseason, we thought was a sure thing to make the team. Back then he was playing well in camp. We were waiting to see it in games. Since then, we've certainly seen it in games. That being said, I think the most interesting part of this conversation with Andy Dalton was when he mentioned the fact that they hadn't really emphasized the scramble drill the off-script stuff, until last year. And it showed. That was the first time in Andy Dalton's career that he was able to keep his eyes up, looking downfield, finding the plays, delivering the ball when things got off-script, and he created. And we talked about that. Joe and I both talked about that on Twitter early in the year, that this is the first time we've seen a significant step forward in this skill set area that we've been asking for from Andy Dalton for really his entire career. Because he's always been pretty good within the structure of the play. He's great pre-snap. We've talked about that a lot. He's got, at this point, an average arm. He's got good accuracy. All those things, what's missing is sometimes he doesn't throw with anticipation that you see from a Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't create the way Patrick Mahomes creates. And obviously, Andy Dalton is not a Patrick Mahomes-like quarterback. But with Alex Van Pelt's arrival last year as a quarterback's coach, we saw a shift. We saw emphasis come into the off-script game. And it'll be interesting to see how that proceeds under Zach Taylor in a offense that, like Dalton said, is emphasizing getting the ball out quick, spreading it around, scheming stuff open. Uh, we, we also heard a little bit from Josh Malone, and I'm not going to have time to play that full interview, but he talked about the fact that the formations are more condensed, and we saw that. For example, against New York, when Tyler Boyd lined up tight on the right side of the line of scrimmage and he ran that PA crosser, 
everyone's favorite play in Madden, right? Play action crossers, run across the field, freeze the linebackers. And it works. I mean, it works in real life. It works in Madden. And that's an example of a condensed formation where you've got your right wide receiver essentially lined up a couple feet away from your right tight end. And I don't remember if there's a tight end on that side of the field on that play. It might have just even been the right tackle. But I got to say, just to, to summarize, it was a real treat to get in there and talk with Andy Dalton. He's somebody who I would love to watch film with. I would love nothing more than to watch film of the Bengals offense with Andy Dalton, hear what he saw on the plays, have him tell me what he was looking at. Because a lot of you probably weren't following me then, but a few years ago I charted every single throw he made, and I only made it about five weeks into the season before I got too busy to continue it. I think the Bengals had an early bye week that year. I skipped the one week. I had plans another weekend, and I just never got back into it. But I I just, because of that project, because he's a quarterback of my favorite football team, your favorite football team, it would just be a real treat to be able to sit down and watch film with him. So talking to him about what's your favorite throw, and I asked him specifically about throwing it to Eifert, he, he, he chuckled a little bit at it. You heard everybody in, in, in the group chuckle, but that was uh, the biggest smile I got out of Andy Dalton, and that was really uh, rewarding for me because I've long thought that's one of his best throws. And in addition to that, I think I might have also mentioned the corner to A.J. Green is one of Dalton's best throws. The corner generally, you can think of multiple times throughout his career where he's thrown clutch corner routes in late in games, on comeback drives or on game-winning drives or whatever it is, uh, that's another one that he's been really good at. So I am glad that I got to share that with you. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to give you our 53-man roster predictions. Joe and I will be back together. So we'll see you then, Bengals fans. Have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.